2: What's up y'all want to welcome you back to the hunt stand podcast season two. And this is your host, Will Cooper. The hunt stand podcast is your weekly source for insightful conversations with veteran hunters, dedicated outdoor enthusiasts, and top industry personnel. I'm going to have guests on here who are true experts in the field, delving into the captivating world of our industry and the great outdoors with each episode you, the listener, are going to be able to receive invaluable knowledge, tips, and guidance on how to enhance your skills in the wild and even in life. So tune in weekly to be entertained, informed, and driven to reach new heights. So what does that mean? That means you need to make sure that you do whatever you gotta do to make sure that you get notifications weekly whenever I put a new Hunt Stand Podcast up because you're not gonna wanna miss out on the guests and people that I bring on here to bring all this to you. The HuntStand Podcast is brought to you by Yamaha and its full line of class-defining adventure-seeking motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-side vehicles. The Hunt Stand Podcast is also brought to you by Springfield Armory and their Model 2020 Waypoint Rifles hunt stand podcast season two buckle up it's gonna be a good ride let's go what's up y'all it's your host will coming back for season two episode one to kick off this year we're gonna be posting weekly episodes on Wednesday afternoons. I know I'm changing up on y'all a little bit, but we're going to do Wednesday afternoons and then we're still going to do Field Note Fridays, but we're not going to be doing them every Friday. We're just going to be doing them seasonally. So we're going to be doing it turkey season. We'll probably do it when elk kicks in. And then of course, we're going to be doing all whitetail season long. So we just want to thank all of y'all again for the massive amount of support we got for season one. I'm excited for season two and to kick off season two, what we're going to be doing through February and into March before turkey season kicks off, we're going to be doing a little series that we're going to coin wildest hunt stories ever now what this is going to entail is we're going to have people on here they're going to talk about near-death experiences crazy wild game experiences dangerous game or whatever kind of story that they're going to have but we want to bring that to y'all just to kind of change things up so i mean of course we're going to sit down with them and we're going to have if you will campfire talk time and we're just going to shoot the bs with them about these crazy stories and just Listen in because a lot of people have some awesome stories and I want to have this platform to tell those stories So we're gonna have that here to talk about that. And of course, we're gonna learn a little bit too along the way about How their perspective changed from these wild stories, whether they were near-death Wild crazy game dangerous game, whatever it was So who are we gonna get on for this first episode? Well, let me tell you we're gonna bring on the man the myth the legend himself Mr. Fred Eichler. So for those of y'all that know Fred, you know, he is a very decorated bow hunter with his recurve compounds. He's a rifle guy too, but you know him specifically on his bow hunting achievements. And for those of you that don't know Fred, then what you ought to know is that he is the first person to take all 29 North American big game animals with a recurve bow and complete the super slam. I'm excited to get Fred on here today because of a few different things. You know, not only are we just gonna talk wildest hunting stories with him, we're gonna talk about a few different stories and things that he has been through. And specifically, we're gonna talk about a time that he was bit by an alligator in the leg and he's had a very close encounter with leopard and brown bears and so we're gonna talk to Fred about that and just kind of pick his mind on what was going through his head when this happened but I'm not gonna dive into too much about the stories because I don't want to ruin it for you guys so I'm gonna quit rambling and I'm gonna let Fred take it from here but again y'all if you haven't yet download the hunt stand app. We've got the free version. We got the pro version and then new this past fall in 2022, we launched our version called the pro whitetail tier. So you can get the free, you can upgrade to pro, and if you want to unlock all the features of Hanstand, upgrade to pro whitetail today. Again, y'all, we just want to thank y'all for tuning in to the Podcast. We really appreciate the support. The support that we got from y'all season one, unbelievable. You've got a lot of different choices out there for podcasts, you got thousands of different options, and so thank you for tuning in. And if this is the first time you're tuning into the Hunt Stand podcast, we just want to say thank you. I'm going to quit rambling and here's our man, Fred Eichler, season 2, episode 1 of the Hunt Stand podcast. Fred, you ready to get this thing rolling? I'm ready to roll, buddy. All right. Well, Fred, first and foremost, just want to thank you for hopping on the Hunt Stand podcast with me today and just taking the time to talk hunting with me, man. Oh, of course, Will. I'm excited to be on with you. Absolutely, man. It's uh, you know, watching you grow growing up watching you hunt on the outdoor shows and everything it's pretty cool to get to sit down with you today and just talk and specifically we're going to talk wildest hunting stories but before we do that what i like to do to introduce the guest to all the listeners there's a lot of people out there probably know who you are already but those that may not kind of give us what that uh what i call the 30 foot tree stand view of yourself you know who you are where you're at and kind of how you've gotten to where you are in life now.
0: Hey man, you know, well, my name is Fred Eichler and, uh, you know, heck, I, you know, just, just a lucky guy. Like a lot of people out there, I'm doing what I love to do. I run an outfitting business. Um, you know, I, I get to spend the majority of my time outdoors. I uh, also have a small cattle operation and a hay business. Um, so, you know, we work, work cattle and then, you know, we have a, a little commercial hay operation where we sell some hay so pretty much everything I do kind of revolves around the outdoors. Uh we have a Instagram page and you know do a TV show and that's about it, buddy. Just just lucky. Nothing nothing
2: nothing
0: nothing big and huge. Just a guy doing what he loves to do.
2: Man, you can't complain about that, can you?
0: No, sir. No, I I I don't I don't complain much.
2: There you go. There you go. Well, man, we're gonna talk wildest hunting stories, right? And I know you and I kinda had a, a phone call before to kind of talk about a, a few that you've been through in some hairy situations man so tell us about some of these wildest hunting experiences that you've (laughs) been through man well you know it's
0: kind of funny because you know the people that influence your life but chuck adams uh harvested all 29 species in north america and he named it the super slam yeah and i thought man what an incredible thing to do like that to me was the everest of bow hunting Mm -hmm. and i thought "I i wonder if i'm Tough enough. And if I have both the mental, you know, capabilities and the physical capabilities to, to try and achieve something like that. Uh, but I wanted to do it a little different. I, I wanted to do it with a recurve bow. I just thought that would be that would be kind of neat. And along the way, I had no idea um some of the crazy adventures and, and scary situations I would get myself into. Um, you know, and during that, I've been hotter than I've be- ever been. You know what I mean? You know, hunting desert sheep in Mexico where we ran out of water, you know, climbing and repelling rocks, you know, and I've been colder than I've ever been, you know, negative 30 hunting polar bears, sleeping in an igloo. So, Jeez. you know, there's been some pretty crazy adventures. Uh, but it's it, the, the funny ones, I guess, you know, and I say funny, but, you know, <laughs> the ones that, that really added a little extra pucker factor are when things didn't uh, didn't quite go right, mm-hmm. you know, and that's true with any hunt. You know, right. Well, you know, you remember the ones that don't go right as much as you do the ones.
2: Oh, yeah. do. So,
0: you know, I I had told you about some of the crazy things and the plane crashes and the boat flips and the horse wrecks and and some of the different things I've been involved in. But, you know, the ones that really, you know, come to mind, for example, um, I was hunting alligator with a buddy and uh, we were down in Florida. We were having an absolute blast and we were trapping alligators. You know, my buddy was an alligator trapper and I'd shot some with a bow and we were in this super fancy neighborhood and we were in town and my buddy gets this call. at like five in the morning. Hey, there's an alligator, you know, on this line bouncing around in front of my house. So he's like, man, you know, we got to get up. I know we've only slept two hours. We've been up all night chasing alligators, but you know, this lady's got a alligator hanging off one of my lines. I've got to go get to it. So I'm like, okay no sweat i'll go with you i'll help you out yeah so we take off we go over there and here's a very agitated alligator problem is it's in the city limits in florida you know in this little town we're at and this lady had apparently called a bunch of her friends so now there's a whole bunch of moms out there with video cameras and cell phones and their video on the alligator trappers they're going to go grab this alligator (laughs) so my buddy's like okay Let's get this gator and he says fred normally i would just shoot it or you know let me give it the old hatchet behind the head but we're in town we're on camera you know this is not the best place to do this so you know we're just gonna have to we're gonna have to wrap these you know wrap this gator up so we literally grab the alligator and, and tie its front feet we tie its back feet we tie its mouth up with tape and one of the ladies goes there's the other one and this alligator pops up right next to shore just bloop, you know he's floating along so my buddy says quick run and grab my rod so i grab a rod with a big treble hook i throw it or he throws it out there catches it then he hands it to me he's like you know fight this gator up to shore and then we're gonna have to jump on it i'm like what he's like we're gonna have to get on this alligator because we've got to get this one too so we get the alligator up we jump on this one and we hold it down and we tape its mouth tape its legs and everything's great. We have two very angry live alligators, but everything was smooth. Mm. So my buddy says to the, to the owner of this house, he says, ma'am, can I back my truck up here? I need to go ahead and load these alligators up. Oh no, not across my manicured lawn. You can't, oh, you can't drive that big jacked up truck down to the pond. It'll leave ruts in the grass. So my buddy's like, oh my gosh, we're going to have to drag these alligators up this hill, you know, to my truck. So, We're both exhausted. We're not really thinking, but we grab these alligators and we're dragging them. Well, we're dragging them by their hind legs and their tail so they don't hit you with the tail. Well, as we're dragging them, we're dragging their mouths where the tape is. And we're not really thinking about that part of it. But we get the alligators back, load them up my buddy's truck, go back to his place. We lay the alligators on the ground because as far as we know, they're all trussed up. And I'm actually walking like, you know, there's a dead alligator right here. And I'm walking along the side of a live one that I, or, or the side of a dead one that I'd got the night before, because mm-hmm. my buddy said, man, I think that alligator's going to go 11 foot. And one of the live ones was on the other side of it. So I'm walking along a lot li- the dead one. And one of the live ones who was the only alligator that realized that his mouth was not taped anymore. And he had slipped his front legs free. Jumps over the back of a dead, and the width on it was like it's a wide, big alligator. Jumps over it and grabs me by the knee. Oh shit! So I've been lucky. Like I've had all kinds of crazy experiences, and I'll tell you about some of the grizzly bears and brown bears and leopard charges. But you know, I've I've just I've lived this little kind of charm life. You know, I've I've been involved in playing crash, all this stuff. Yeah, and nothing's ever actually got me. You know, I've been close on a lot of stuff. But this alligator has got me by the knee and he is just thrashing. And I'll have to send you the pictures of it so you can see that I'm not exaggerating how badly my leg was torn up. But ends up this alligator is thrashing. I kneel down to keep it from breaking my leg. I don't want this alligator to roll and break my leg. And I cannot open his mouth. I literally, you know, I'm, I'm trying as hard as I can. I can't open his jaws. Finally, the alligator, and the only way I can describe it well is that like when you're playing with a dog, it went to get another bite. Like it took to kind of to get another, like, you know, I'm gonna re-bite. And when it did that, I was able to get my leg out. Well, then it was a miracle that my buddies didn't shoot me because guns were everywhere. And these guys shoot this alligator to pieces and asking me if I'm okay.
2: (laughs) Holy crap.
0: I sit down, I end up going out. Like I am woozy. I can feel blood inside Mm. my leg. I'm dizzy. I've just been fighting with an alligator. I sit down and I'm like, hey. so I go out, I come to my buddies are like, man, the ambulance is coming. It looks really bad. Like it's bad. And I'm like, great. So they rush me to the hospital, get to the hospital. And I'm trying to kind of make it quick, but I get to the hospital. And when I arrive, I find out that an alligator is the most septic bite. There is seriously, just so you know, well, you would rather get bit by pretty much anything a dog, a rattlesnake, a raccoon, a badger, any almost anything in the country you would rather get bit by. An alligator has the most septic bite because they live in stagnant water and they eat rotten food. So the amount of bacteria in an alligator's mouth has caused all kinds of people to lose limbs. Mm. Like they're like you could lose your whole leg. Like the doctor wasn't even like he he wasn't even like he's like We're going to have to rush you in. We're going to have to operate on the tendons and ligaments and and muscle that's torn. But we've really got to get you juiced up with all these antibiotics because this is the most septic bite. And here's what we're worried about. And I'm like, awesome. So, oh, yeah. When I show you the pictures, you're going to freak out. So I'm going to send you the pictures. Okay. But it was really bad. So, you know, fortunately, great doctor does, you know, amazing job. You know, they juice me for all these antibiotics. And I was at Shands Hospital in Gainesville, Florida, which is a teaching hospital. Mm -hmm. So the next day, you know, I wake up and I've got stitches, you know, inside, outside, both sides of my leg because the alligator had it like this. And the doctor comes in and says, hey, this is a teaching hospital and we have doctors and nurses. Um, Do you mind if I bring them in to, you know, kind of show them what I did and the damage that an alligator caused to a leg? So I said, yeah. Whatever. You know, I'm sitting there drugged up, you know, whatever you want to do. <laughs> yeah. So in walks a troop of nurses, doctors, just young, you know, younger people that are learning to become doctors and nurses. Mm-hmm. And it's very clinical. The doc- I'm laying there in the bed. It's kind of awkward. You know, the, he's got the sheet pulled back and he's got a little red pointer and he's like, well, here's where the alligator did this. And here's where I surgery, you know, and I did this to this tendon and he's kind of going over the whole nine yards. And I, I'm sitting there just thinking how awkward it is and how, you know, it's a drag and, you know, am I going to, how, how much is going to pack me riding horses or hiking or, you know, I'm worried about a lot of stuff. Yeah. And the, one of the nurses says, do you mind? Because he asked questions and they're asking the doctor questions about, you know, what kind of thread and what kind of knot, all this other mumbo jumbo. But the funny part is, one of the nurses asked the doctor, she goes, do you mind if I ask the patient? Now, I'm sitting right here, Will. I can hear her asking the doctor if she can ask me. So it's just awkward, but I guess that's protocol. But she says, can I ask the patient how it was that the alligator bit him? Now, understand, my buddy is standing in the hospital room with me, okay? Mm-hmm. My alligator that but standing right next to me in the bed. Well, he's not in the bed. I'm in the bed. He's standing next to me. And the doctor looks at me and he goes, sir, is it okay? And I'm like, yeah. I said, I don't mind telling you. But I've had a minute to think about it. So instead of telling the real story, I decide that I'm going to ad-lib a little bit. So I said, well, it was horrible. I said, there was a a canoe full of children in this lake. Okay. And when it rolled over. <laughs> oh, well, and I'm telling it, and you should have seen them. Every one of them are like, oh, like they're just, <laughs> they are they're like, they're gonna be like, oh my gosh." I said, it was horrible. I said, I, I swam out and I'm grabbing these kids and I'm taking them to shore. And I said, I had the last kid and I, I'm almost to shore. I said, when the alligator got me and every one of them were just like, oh, and they're looking at me like I'm just a hero. And it was amazing for oh, just geez. a second of my life to feel like that. Like I was like, wow, <laughs> this is so cool. Like look at how they're even looking at me. You know, every, even the guys were, were all like, this guy's a hero. I mean, Holy cow. But my buddy, my buddy can't stand it. Because I'm getting all this attention. He knows mm-hmm. I'm lying. And he's like, I cannot. He, he just couldn't stand it. And he goes, literally interrupts me. Imagine how uncomfortable this was. There's a doctor, nurses, and people that are studying to be doctors. And my buddy goes, mid-story. That's a lie. And everybody <laughs> stopped. And even I'm like, oh, no. And he's like, that's that's not what happened at all. He's like, no, no, no. I'm an alligator trapper. So he kind of tur- trying to turn the attention onto him. So he's uh- like, I'm an alligator trapper. We were hunting, and as soon as he had hunt said hunting, I pretty much lost my audience, and it was really awkward for everybody, and and they all kind of left the room. But
2: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: my uh, that's my alligator attack story.
2: How long ago was that? Uh,
0: that was probably now seven to eight years ago. How long did
2: it take you to recover from that?
0: Um, you know, it took a while. The you know, it, I still can feel it's a little looser in there than it was. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but surprisingly, I get along pretty good. Uh, a lot of time in the saddle probably hurts it more than anything because, mm-hmm. you know, my, my legs just, you know, your knees twisted a little bit, Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's, it's not, uh, fortunately it, it didn't, the doctor did a great job because it didn't cause me as much damage as I was worried about. The great news is, you know, of course I didn't lose anything. They really had me super concerned about the bacteria and that's why they handled it the way they did. But, uh yeah, you do not want to get bit by, by an alligator. I mean, like, mm-hmm. you know, they were telling p- stories about people getting bit in the finger and losing an arm. And Jeez. I'm like, what? And they're like, yeah, it, it's the worst, the worst bacteria you can release into your system. And you know, as far as, as far as an animal bite goes. Mm-hmm. So I was, I was a little wigged out about it, but you know, it ended up, like I said, you know, that's my funny ending on that whole thing. Cause it was, we, you know, I kind of cut up and made it into a little bit of a funny story, but I'll send you a couple uh a couple pictures of it and you'll see it wasn't, uh, it wasn't really a laughing batter when it, you know, when it happened. No.
2: I, yeah, <laughs> and looking- that
0: wasn't, it wasn't a monster alligator. The one that got me was probably about seven feet. Now I had killed an 11 footer the night before and had that gotten me, there'd have been nothing I could <sighs> do. But you know, that one, you know, even a seven footer, it was, it was all I could do to keep from, you know, not only going down, but it tore me up pretty good through a thick pair of you know pants. Jeez, jeez,
2: man. What, you know, I know you kind of, as he's biting your leg, you're kind of thinking uh, you're talking about how you knelt down so he couldn't tear you up even worse. But when that first happened, what was the the thought that went through your mind as soon as that <laughs> booger grabbed your leg? Man, well,
0: it, it's funny. You know, I was, you know, it's funny because it, it's embarrassing, too, because I always, you know, you like to think you're going to be that brave guy. You know, if something happens, mm-hmm. you'll just, yeah, you know, I can. handle. Dude, I was like, ah! <laughs> I, was, yeah, like I wasn't ready for it. I was squalling like a stuck pig, buddy. I, I was, I mean, it had me. Um, I, I, I just I do remember, you know, I had enough presence of mind that even though not only it hitting me and and, and jolting me, I knew I didn't want to go down. You know, I was like, man, if I go down and I'm at the same level, I was really worried about, well, you know, the next bite might be here or yeah, you know, breaking my leg. So I was really worried I, I did not want the alligator to To be able to roll, which it was trying to do. And it's why my leg got ripped mm-hmm. up, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll show, uh, I'll, I'll send you the pictures. It'll, it's
2: pretty, it's pretty, it's pretty gory. I'll have to see those. <laughs> I'll definitely have to. So it's, it was crazy. We we've talked alligator bite, you know, you're on a hunt trip down there and you've kind of alluded to a grizzly bear situation. So,
0: you know, I'm going to move to the whole opposite side of the country. So that was in Florida.
2: Uh-huh.
0: So now This next, this next crazy experience happened up in Alaska and it was on a brown bear hunt and, uh, it was a awesome area. And it was one of those really remote areas, Will, that you're just, I mean, it's, 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 when you think of Alaska, that's exactly what you think about because we took a float plane, you know, outside of Talkeetna, went into this remote little, you know, lake flew in on float plane, you know, landed. We had a, a raft that was totally collapsed with us. We drug that out of the plane. We had a little foot pump, you know, my outfitter, braun, we, we fill up this raft with a foot pump, air it up. And then we paddled into this tiny little, it was more of a Creek really. You couldn't really call it a river. I don't even think it was named, but this little Creek, um, that had salmon loaded up in it. And then we were going to take this Creek and just, you know, go with the flow of the Creek miles like 15 20 miles to where it hit up with another main river then we were going to float down that to a big sandbar where a plane was going to pick us up you know 10 days later mm. so i love those remote hunts i love the adventure of it and the the guy I was with was an awesome hunter he's got a you know, great reputation and braun and me were in the boat i had a cameraman right behind me over my be, directly over me but we were on the left side of the boat yeah on the right side of the boat and the front right was Braun. and i'm telling you all this because it's on youtube if people want to check it out or if you want to check it out and behind uh behind brawn was another hunter that was from illinois all our gear was jammed in the middle of this little raft so not only was all our gear i don't bring a handgun generally i do now but i didn't <laughs> used to bring a handgun at all and i just had my recurve and that's all i needed mm-hmm. but even my recurve was down so all the gears there the only person with a firearm was the outfitter uh and he was carrying a, a 500 smith and wesson Shoot. in a holster well it was so packed on this wrap that we were sitting everybody was on one you know pontoon with one leg tucked into the water like you, you you folded it up along the edge of the raft mm-hmm. and we were paddling because we had all our gear in the middle so we were on these pontoons well we hadn't been too far into our, our adventure and i looked up and i i was all excited because i spotted the first bear i was like oh there's a brown bear and almost instantly my buddy goes oh it's got it's got cubs with it and i hadn't even seen the cubs right off the Ooh. bat but the funny thing is we'll and and you, you know, being down in Texas, you probably spent some time on water, canoeing yeah. kayaking, things like that. So here's here's our raft and we're going straight down the river. Well, when you see something like that, like, oh, there's a brown bear, what do you think everybody stops doing?
2: <laughs> Rowan. <laughs> You got it.
0: You got it. Everybody, including me, we all stop battling. The outfitter, everybody, we take our paddles out of the water, and everybody's staring at this brown bear. Now, we're floating, and the water is taking us closer to the brown bear who's right here on shore. Oh, crap. Now, this huge sow sees us. She has three cubs, and the sow does exactly what she's supposed to do in that situation. She tries to avoid about encounter. The sow takes off into the brush. The problem is her three cubs have probably never seen their mother run from anything. They've never seen a raft. They've never seen people. They're curious. So even though mom ran off and we could hear her trying to call the cubs, the cubs don't go anywhere. So now here's the here's the horrible situation. Maybe you could tell me what you would do. The bear, so imagine, uh let's see, let's see. The bear's here. Well, I guess it'd be reversed for you. So the yeah. bear's right here. Uh-huh. The raft's going and the raft, since nobody's paddling, starts turning. And it starts turning to where I am the closest to the bear. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm as it's turning and the water's taking us, I'm closest to these three cubs. Well, Bron waves his hand like, get out of here, trying to, trying to scare the cubs to join their mother. Well, at that same time, we hear what sounds like a locomotive in the brush. just, And we know it's the Sal, but we, we can't imagine that she's going to charge. But all of a sudden, she comes and she's running at us so hard, she literally runs over one of her cubs. So if you check out the video on, on, on YouTube, she literally runs over one of the cubs where the cub has to dive out of the way. And she is coming across the water. And it's shallow water. I mean, it's not that deep. Mm -hmm. She's plowing across the water right at us. And it is. that was probably one of my scariest encounters in the field because it wasn't, in my mind, you know, the first thing you think of is like, oh, I'm dead. I mean, this is a huge bear. And there's nothing that's going to stop her. She she is about to to, to eat us. So the crazy thing is, Bronn, and, and it's so neat. And I've watched the video a million times and, and granted, this was years and years ago. And if you watch the video, you'll be like, wow, that's not Fred. That's before you had gray hair. But <laughs> he, he pulls this 500 Smith and Wesson hog leg out and it is all he can do to cock and fire like in one motion. And he shoots right in front of this bear. And the water, you know. Imagine the gases from a five hundred Smith and Wesson. I mean, you know, shooting it towards you, you know, like you know, and the gases and all the blowback. So he shoots, and when he when he shoots, it it hits the water right in front of it, and this huge brown bear at about near as we could figure six feet. I mean, that's close on a full charging brown bear. She turns, and what's interesting, if you watch the video especially if you watch it slow-mo or frame-by-frame, she turned, but as she's running away at about 15 feet, she turns all the way back and looks at us to make sure we're not getting closer to the Cubs. So that freaked me out too because it was a, Mm. you know, wow, this is a little spooky. He shot, and then I have instant relief, and then I see her turn and look back, and I'm like, oh my gosh, she's going to come again. Well, fortunately the river carried us past the Cubs and she didn't charge again. But we played this on Easton bow hunting TV. And here's an interesting part. People ask all the time, Hey, I saw that show or I saw this. I saw that. What, you know, is there any stuff that, you know, that doesn't get into the show? Is there any stuff that, you know, maybe doesn't get aired? I'm going to tell you what didn't get aired on this show. So immediately after the charge, We're all freaked out, Yeah. okay, freaked out. My cameraman's like, I think I got that. And I'm like, what? I didn't think in my mind, (laughs) there's no way we got anything. But he said, Fred, I was up and running when you first said there's a brown bear. So he's behind me with the camera on a bouncing raft. And he said, so I turned the camera on. He said, I didn't realize what was happening until I heard the gunshot. So it all happened so fast that he didn't really have time Jeez. to get scared and drop the camera. It was like, Whoa, there's a good shot. And he turned and then the, you know, it, it all went. And I was like, there's no way. He's like, no, I, th- I think I got the whole thing. So ends up we did. And that's what, you know, it would made some incredible TV, but the part we didn't show, we sent the footage to Easton, of course, Easton arrows. And at the time they were making Easton bats and Easton hockey sticks and yeah. all, you know, all that stuff. <clears throat> Right after the charge, Braun, my guide, is messing with this handgun. He's kind of bent over and he's messing around with it. And I'm like, what's going on? He's like, nothing. And I'm asking him questions. I'm like, why didn't you kill the bear? And he's like, Fred, and I'm I'm like freaked out. I'm like, dude, if there was ever an occasion to kill a bear, that was it.
2: That like, was that it. bear
0: was six feet from me. Why didn't you just kill it? Like, I do not understand why you know why you risked. Shooting in front of a bear that close, like I would have shot it. And run. and it was really neat. And that this is a guy that's been charged a lot, so he knows. But he said, Fred, in that situation, it wasn't a bluff charge. She was coming, you know. He said, and that bear was going to jump in the boat and you were closest, and she was gonna start mauling you and probably would have mauled everybody in the boat. He said, I had two options. He said, getting away wasn't an option. He said, the other option, he said, was to shoot and try and kill her, he said, or to shoot and try and turn her. He said, the problem with a mother bear and as angry as she was, had I shot and hit her anywhere, he said, even if I'd have shot her in the chest, she would have felt that as an attack, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And she would have jumped on you, you know what I mean? And she would have mauled a stall until she died. Mm. He said, so he said, the only other shot I could have made on that bear to stop the charge instantly was to shoot her in the head or the spinal cord. And he said, the odds of me hitting a charging brown bear in a bouncing boat, you know what I mean, with a handgun to hit it in the head or the spinal cord, almost zero. He said, so shooting the bear wasn't really the best option. He said, so my plan was to shoot in front of the bear, hope that it turned her almost like a skunk. You know what I mean? So we could resituate. We could regroup. You know, the boat's moving. Maybe it'll turn her. He said, and and surprisingly, it it did. And I said, well, what was your plan? And he said, well, my next shot. And while he's talking to me, well, he's he's messing with his handgun. Yeah. And he said, Fred, with the next shot, I was going to shoot the bear off you at very close range and try and put a fatal shot on it. But then you got all kinds of concerns because you don't want to shoot the person. You know what I mean? You want to shoot the bear, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's all this stuff. Meanwhile, he's still messing with the gun. Now, my cameraman's videoing all this. OK, he's running the camera mm-hmm. while Ron explains why he did what he did. Now I've watched the footage and one, Bron is either the coolest customer in the world and he did exactly like he explained to me. He methodically thought all that in a flash of a second, shot in front of the bear, turned it and saved the day. Or he's just full of it and he totally was scared, tried to shoot the bear, missed it and came up <laughs> with a great excuse on the fly, yeah. which was impressive too, really. <laughs> I was like, because I've watched the video and I'm like, man, that's, that's incredible either way. But what's crazy is the gun ended up jamming. This is 500 spent and revolver. Now it's jammed because I said, what's going on with the gun? And he goes, I, I don't know. I can't, I can't cock the gun. And I said, what are you talking about? Revolvers don't jam. That's why people shoot revolvers. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand. What do you mean the gun's jammed? And he literally is like, I, I don't know. I can't cock it. He said, I tried to cock it as soon as I shot. And it wouldn't cut. And I'm like, what? The gun that you were going to shoot the bear off of me, the gun that, you know, you took the first shot in the water, then you were going to save my life and everybody's life in the boat. You can't fire the gun? And he's like, no, I don't know what's going on. We literally pulled the boat over because now we have to figure out what's going on with the handgun. Now, I'm going to tell you one of the only ways you can jam a revolver. So, he was shooting souped-up reloads. Okay. okay, That somebody had made for him. I say souped-up because they were overly charged because what happened is the primer had backed out of the shell casing. Now, the firing pin on a lot of revolvers is located on the hammer. Right. So the hammer, when it fired the round, the primer backed out of the shell casing and the firing pin got stuck in the primer. So the cylinder would not rotate. We had literally done one of the very few things you could do to jam a revolver. And it was stuck good enough that you couldn't just pull it out. So we literally had to sit there with a pin knife and mess and play and finally freed it out, had to take the gun out. And so we sent this footage in because to me, that was a pretty crazy part of the story. Yeah. I'm like, the revolver jammed. So Ethan sends me the show and it doesn't have any of that. And I'm like, why don't you have the part about the gun jamming? Like, that's incredible. And they said, well, here's the problem. <laughs> if we show that. That's one of Smith & Wesson's most popular self-defense weapons. Oh, shoot. Like, people buy that for exactly that situation. Yeah. So, if we show that the gun had problems, we're then going to have to explain why it had problems. And the gun wouldn't have had any problems had they been using factory rounds or had the guy reloaded properly and the primer not backed out of the casing. So, we would have to burn up so much of the show trying to explain that it wasn't the revolver's fault. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It wasn't a, you know, a faulty revolver because this is a revolver people rely on in situations like this or life and death situations to save their life. Yeah. So I was like, so here we had this big, to me, crazy part that had that bear either a kept coming or B when it turned around to look at us, because it literally turns fully around and looks right at us. Had it recharged, we couldn't have done a thing. So, pretty interesting to me that 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 whole scenario was not because of multiple reasons but one of the one of the things that i think is is craziest to me about is how many things could have gone wrong but i also think about what would happen if we were fly fishermen what happened if ron wouldn't reacted as quickly as he did Mm -hmm. that could have been anybody going down there and that would have been a bear attack situation where people were killed mauled in the wilderness wouldn't have been easy to get out. So, there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong there. Everything went right. Um, but it was just one of those it was another one of those crazy crazy stories. Jeez. And we have it on video. So, if you ever get a chance check out Fred Bear Brown bear attack, you know, Fred Bear charged by grizzly, it, it, you know, it's a brown bear, but I think they might have put it up as grizzly, but it's it's pretty uh it's pretty crazy, but if you if you watch the slow-mo, you could see exactly you know, sometimes I hear stories from people. I'm like, I wonder if it really went down like that, or you know what I mean? Is that guy embellishing? You can watch the YouTube, compare what I was just saying to you, and you'll see. Except for the revolver having having jammed, you'll be able to see kind of exactly what happened there. It's a pretty spooky situation. Jeez,
2: how? You know, I'm sure you did. did you have bear encounters before that at all? Any kind of like bluff yes, charges? Not, Well, Not
0: on not on that trip. I had encountered. I have encountered some other bears and had some pretty crazy encounters mm-hmm. uh, with other animals. Uh, you know, I think I've told you've i been charged by leopards. Um, I've had some encounters by some, you know, some crazy other animals. Uh, but as far as probably one of my closer calls um, with a an, a big large apex predator, that would probably be that, and the leopard would probably be right, right, right up there because that was a pretty intimidating situation mm-hmm. with an animal that's just so big. And it it, it just, it's just not scared of anything. I mean, they're just, they're just large, large bears.
2: Now, I know you're a guy that respects animals and you respect, you know, obviously big, powerful predators like that. But did your perspective of bears change at all after that encounter? Any, like, any, any way that you just kind of looked at them from there?
0: That's a, that is a great question. Well, I've never been asked that, Um, but that's a great question. And yes. Um, I think it made me feel naive about how I had handled other bear encounters Mm -hmm. previously. Once I realized the fury and the speed that a predator that big can have, I mean, I guess you always think you're going to have a minute to react. Mm -hmm. I always thought you'll see it coming or, or you'll do something or, you know. It can happen so fast that you really can't really be prepared for it. You know, no. and there's situations where people have, you know, you know, sadly people have been killed by bears. Joggers have been killed. Hikers mm-hmm. have been killed, you know, people in Yellowstone, there's all kinds of situations where, but you know, in the past, a lot of those situations I looked at and thought, Oh, you know, person probably didn't know what they were doing. You know, Oh, I could have handled it better. And it made me go, Nope. Nope. Cause I would have, I would have for sure been mauled if not killed had brought not. So when I think of like a hiker or a jogger, I mean, to your, to your question again, when I think of a hiker, a jogger, another hunter, um, I think about all the times I've had other bear encounters where I just didn't realize that, man, a, a bear can cover that 30 to 50 yards and, and, and the flash of an eye and, and you would never get an arrow knocked. You would never, you know, there's, there's, there's really situations where there's nothing you could do. Okay. Uh, and, you know, like I said, at, at it kept coming, Braun really, it's all he can do. If, if if you end up watching the video, it's all he can do. And we were ready. That wasn't even a situation where we didn't know we were kind of in danger because of the Cubs. There's place, there's, there's situations where you don't even know the Cubs are there and a bear just charges you out of the blue. Yeah. You'd have no time for anything, Mm-mm. but even knowing and having an experienced guide and outfitter, you know braun already had his hand close to his gun and you'll see it's it's literally everything he can do to just get it out and pull off one shot and it was already six feet away when he did that so it's pretty uh yeah that's a great question yeah it did it changed it changed my opinion a lot it changed how i think about bears uh it changed um the respect i give them Mm -hmm. you know in, in other encounters i've had since then on kodiak island alaska you know, you know, even with my boys, where I'm like, "Hey, don't don't play around with this. That bear's in the willows, and yeah, it's 80 yards away, but it's showing interest in us. We're gonna stand in the open. We're facing our rifles that direction, and we're gonna see what happens because that bear can cover that. You know, you turn your back on that bear, or that bear slips around on us. So it's changed. That's a great question, but it it has changed um, my respect, and also I, I, I'm more cautious around those big big predators.
2: When y'all first encountered this bear, did, you know, I'll, I'll backtrack a little bit to, you know, you get, you get bit by this alligator and you, <laughs> you talked about, you know, like it's, it's just mayhem, you know, you're, everything's going nuts. But when you see this bear and our cubs, you know, how were your nerves? I mean, how were you able to keep a, uh, a thread of calmness, if you will, while this encounter is happening?
0: I guess because I didn't know and that probably happened so many times to people. Um I didn't realize how bad how bad it was going to turn and how quickly. Mm-hmm. Um it was more of a interesting like wow cool I saw the bear first, you know what I mean that's yeah. neat. And, oh wow there's three brown bear cubs. How cool is that? Because the mother left. You know it would have been totally different well had the mother stayed there on the on the on the bank. You know mm-hmm. had the boat been drifting closer to the mother and her cubs. But the mother disappeared. She literally went, I'm out. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and tried to call her cubs with her. She literally was calling, like trying to get the cubs to join her. And then it would have been a a nothing, a big nothing burger. You know, yeah. she would have just, yeah. they would have followed and it would have been nothing. But the cubs caused the issue because the cubs stayed. And, you know, the, the mother obviously either could see through the brush or sense it's getting closer to them. And, and that's what, that's what drove her nuts. And, and so that's a good question, but I wasn't nervous at the time. It was, uh, you know, Oh, cool. There's three Cubs and the mother's gone. And I'm sure the Cubs will run any second. Well, not only did the Cubs not run, but the mother ran over one of the Cubs on the far right, Mm -hmm. literally ran over it charging us. And so once I saw the bear break cover, that's when, I mean, and again, it was only for seconds, but that's yeah. when literally the only thought that, that, that hit my mind was, Oh, this is going to be bad. Like it wasn't a, I didn't have a weapon on me at all. It was a, yeah, this is, this, we're mauled. It wasn't a, maybe the bear is going to hit the raft. It was a, we're done. And, and, you know, again, thanks to Bron, you know, I've had a couple of situations where, you know, experienced outfitters or guides have saved the day and, and Bron, that's exactly what happened in this situation. I mean, had he not had that, had he not had that 500 Wesson, had he not pulled it out in time had he not fired you know right in front of it you know and made the right decision you know on that you know I, I can't imagine I would have probably made a mistake in that situation because mm-hmm. I was like dude I love bears as much as the next guy but orphan those cubs kill the bear like yeah. please. <laughs> you know and I think a lot of people would have made that mistake but the fact that he decided to go with i'm gonna shoot in front of the bear and and try and give this bear an option you know what i mean and and try and turn it because if i shoot it and in his opinion if i shoot that bear she's protecting her cubs and if she feels that hit even if it's a fatal hit she's gonna die mauling us and so that was a that was another there were so many things there uh that were interesting because i would have honestly i didn't have the experience to have made the right call you know and 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 you know, he obviously did it. It it worked. So I I can question or, or think about it or say I would have done something else. But in that situation, he, he made the perfect call. And I I think of how many times people would maybe do that wrong, or it wouldn't have worked out or had we just been fly fishermen or, you know, any kind of fishermen or just people that just wanted to go hiking. It would, that story would have turned out very different. Had somebody not had a weapon uh, a weapon that they could get to immediately, you know what I mean? He was, you know, he was obviously smart enough to have that weapon in the situation you get to it immediately. There were a whole lot of things that he did, uh, that, that made that work out where it could have, man, it could have gone South. Had it been another boat, had it been mm-hmm. people that weren't ready, uh, had it been a guy that made a different decision than he made, you know, there's so many things that could have gone wrong.
2: When this bear starts coming, you know, knocking its cub out of the way, coming through the water at you. Did you have the thought come through your mind of, I'm dead? Oh, well, it was, there's been a couple of times, and I'm sure you've been there. And I
0: get, I can only relate it to, to this when I think about different experiences. Mm-hmm. And sadly, how many times driving? Like, I'm sure there's been some times driving where, you know, you've had a, like one of those, <sighs> yeah, you know, where you're you're holding the wheel or somebody's coming across the road towards you, or maybe you're hydroplaning. I mean, have you had you oh, had yeah. that right? Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Most people have had situations driving where they can instantly think of that, you know, that that super tense, tight, freaked out, you know, even if it's only for a couple seconds, mm-hmm. that feeling of this is how I'm gonna die. Like I'm not gonna make it out of this right now. I'm gonna die right here. That helplessness. And so that's the closest I could I could describe it to as. Like somebody, if you're sliding on ice and you're going right to the semi or, you know, it's that couple seconds of, oh, you know, or you think you're going to flip your vehicles, you know, the stuff that just happens Mm -hmm. in a split second. That's the closest I could relate it to was, you know, oh, oh, this is it. You know what I mean? Uh, uh, There's nothing I can do. I have zero control in this situation. I can't outrun the bear. I can't hide from the bear. No, I don't have a weapon to protect myself from the bear. I have, I have zero control. Options in this situation, that bear is going to dictate everything.
2: Jeez. So, I want I want to come back to the bear story in a little bit, but no, no problem, man. We've talked about you've had some crazy charges in Africa as well. (laughs) I I want to close the podcast out by finishing up with this one. So, tell us about was it a leopard you had charge you in Africa? Uh, yeah, there was a. (laughs) So, I
0: just have this weird thing. I, I do love predators. I love apex predators
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh, because I just think they're awesome. I think they're smarter than most prey animals. I think they, you know what I mean? They think like we oh, do yeah. in a lot of ways because they are predators. Um, they've got outsmart prey and they, they're, they they're analyzing situations. They're literally thinking, you know what I mean? Oh, they're, yeah. they're, you know, their eyes are in front of their face like ours are because they're not worried about other predators they are focused on one thing. And so I really wanted to go try and get uh, a leopard and so I went with Nico Lorenz in Zimbabwe and I love hunting mountain lions and bobcats with hounds. I think it's fun. I, you know, I've got some hounds that I love running and it's a neat, neat thing to do. And Nico was running leopards with hounds. Mm-hmm. And I was like, man, that, that sounds a couple of my favorite things, predator hunting and running leopards. Now that sounds great. <laughs> so we went to to Zimbabwe to do that and it was this trip was twofold. There was a lot of things that were that were uh very very crazy, but we went there and we were looking for leopard tracks and trying to figure out the freshest track and we wanted a mature leopard and all this stuff and it's very controlled, you know, leopard hunting as far as you know they manage it and they only allow a certain number of sightings tags for leopards to come out of the country and we're at camp, and this guy had had literally Run a very long ways to come into camp and tell us that a leopard had killed a burrow. And I, I I'm trying to remember if the guy he may have even gotten a phone call from somebody as well. But this guy shows up and, and is explaining to my outfitter that this burrow has been killed in this village and by a huge leopard. And would we please come hunt it? So Nico's like, yep, sounds great. So he's like, let's go, let's go. We're loaded up dogs and we take off to go to this village. Now, well, what is a burrow? Uh, it's like a little mule. Okay. 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 When you think of burrows, like Jesus was on a burrow. You know what yeah. I mean? You know, smaller, mule. you know, they usually have an X on their back. They always, they they, they talk about the cross, yeah. um, you know, on the leather back. So it's, think of a small mule or a very small horse for people that don't know what a burro actually <laughs> that,
2: is. That's kind of what I thought you were going with, but I was like, "Oh, I'm going to make sure cuz this is Africa. I'm not sure."
0: Oh, no, good question. No no problem. So so what's interesting is this guy and it's it's amazing how different people live and mm-hmm. you know how much we take for granted, but did you ever see the movie Ghosts in the Darkness where they built a thorn brush all around it? I don't think maybe maybe did see that. uh uh-uh. uh so this, this guy lived in this little mud hut. And I mean, literally he put mud up between little sticks and his, his house was, and that was his house, but it, you know, it was no bigger than an eight foot square Yeah, and he had sticks and mud, you know what I mean? And the flap was a, was a piece of zebra hide or some type of animal hide. And outside that to protect him and his burrow from predators, there was Thorn brush, probably about four to five foot high, but thorns, nasty thorns and brush around his little mud hut. Mm-hmm. Well, when we got there, the man was very upset. What had happened is this leopard had jumped over the thorn brush. Now imagine you're lying lying on the dirt floor and you hear a leopard kill your pet, your little animal that you use to make a living, because him and this burrow, he he had a little cart, he would hook up the burrow to the cart. And he would go out because they had burned all the firewood for pretty good proximity around the village. But he would take his burrow and cart, go out and get firewood, bring it back to the village, and trade it for chicken eggs and milk and you know different things. Wow. So he had lost his way that he was making a living. So he was very upset, you know, and he probably mm-hmm. you know also appreciated his burrow, But it killed it right outside his his little skin flap door. And then the crazy thing is it jumped over this four foot fence holding the burrow so it's probably a 400 to 550 pound burrow if i was to guess geez dumped over it now that tells you how strong leopards are and walked off with it because when we get there we could see drag marks literally drag marks where it carried this burrow and i'm like holy chowder so then the race is on i mean we are you know, we turn the hounds loose, the hounds go nuts, it's fresh track, hounds take off. Well, we take off, and Nico says to me and 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 Jake, my buddy, this video, and he goes, Listen, he said, if we run up on some elephants that get poached a lot in this area, we need to scatter. Don't all run one way, you know what I mean? Just, you know, it'll confuse them Some Scatter. And 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 we realized that as we're running, we're running through tons of elephant tracks. There's elephant tracks all over the place oh, and in crap. the mud and all this stuff. And so I'm like, what? Am I my me? Jake, he looks at me, he goes, what? If we get charged by an elephant, just run through the brush? He goes, I have no idea where we are. I'll be lost forever. Something will kill me. And he looks at me, he goes, I'm not, I'm not splitting up, man. If an elephant charges, he's going to be mad because I'm staying with you. And I said, Well, he's going to be extra mad then because if an elephant charges, he's got the freaking rifle. I got a recurve bow. I'm running with him too. Oh, Oh my God. God. So he's going to be pretty pissed off if an elephant charges. So, (laughs) I mean, so you got all this stuff going on. You know, meanwhile, we're running after Leopard and he's like, Keep your eyes out. Sometimes they charge you and, you know, all this stuff. Well, the, the, Leopard ends up getting in tall grass. He bluff charges us. We can't even see it. But all of a sudden the dogs start running toward us and you hear this, you know, blood curling and we're freaking out and, you know, you can't see in the tall grass and finally the leopard trees. Well, the leopard goes up in the tree and I get close to getting him in the tree, but the leopard bails out of the tree, goes in the grass and the dogs are fighting the leopard on the ground. So my buddy's like, all right, the PH, Nico, he's like, let's slip around and try and get a shot here. So. I see a shot about 20, 25 yards, and I shoot, and I think I make a great shot because it's right behind the shoulder, like, Mm -hmm. I mean, right here. The problem is, and and I'll I'll tell you what we found out later, but didn't realize at the time, the leopard was darting in, and he's fighting dogs. Well, one of the times as he's turning, my arrow hit here, but it slid, not going through the lungs, it slid underneath the leopard's shoulder. Mm -hmm. So it didn't go through the lungs like we both thought when it hit. So the leopard's not really that hurt. He's very angry, but he's not really that hurt. So we come around, expecting this leopard to go down any second. The dogs are fighting the leopard. Leopard's fighting back and forth, and but but Buddy's like, man, he should be done. And all of a sudden, the leopard looks up, and it's like the weirdest feeling. It, and it, the only thing I can describe, it's like when that brown bear looked at me as it was running over the the cub. That leopard literally looked right at me, like it's fighting dogs and it's doing this. And it goes like this and it it locks eyes like boom. And as soon as it does that, Nico says, he's gonna charge. Very calmly, very matter of fact, get ready, he's gonna charge. And I'm like, huh? And not a second later, and, and again, that's on YouTube too, but this leopard just lets out this blood curdling, just rawr, rawr. And the dogs part like the Red Sea. They're like, have at them. We're good. You know, literally the, dogs, the dogs open up and this leopard full on charges me. And if you look into it, it's kind of crazy. And I don't know why this is, but they always say that like 90% of the time, leopards get the person that shoots them first. Mm-hmm. Like they get that person. I don't know why that is. Maybe it's just because they're there or they're up front. I don't know why, but this leopard is, is coming right at me. The interesting thing is there were, there were two pHs. And they both threw up. And I remember thinking, why aren't they shooting? Because this leopard's honest. us. Like, it's close. I wish I had paced it off. But I'm going to tell you, eight feet, maybe 10 feet away, they both fire. One pH is actually backing up. He actually got laid off. Um, he's, he's backing up away and tries to shoot. And he completely misses the leopard. Nico shoots and hits the leopard. All 12 32 caliber buckshot pellets from his 12-gauge hit the leopard right in the head. What's interesting is the leopard was charging so fast coming, you know, toward us. I always read Capstick and Rourke and all this crazy stuff about animals sliding, you know, up to their feet. This leopard was coming hard. When he shot, the foot pounds of energy of the buckshot hitting the leopard in the head drove its head down and it flipped. So the tail and hind legs comes over and it flips and literally the leopard slides up and the tails right, right, right here, right at my feet. Jeez. And I'm backing up like, Oh my gosh. And it was a, that was a very Nico was upset. Uh, and I found out later for multiple reasons, you know, one, the other pH was backing up when he shot, he actually backed into my cameraman or we'd have even better footage, but you can see the leopard charge and hear the shot. but, he completely missed the leopard had Nico not shot at the right time. So there's been two times where, you know, people have literally guys that were more experienced. And that's why you go with an outfitter. You know, I wouldn't just go to Africa and go like, yeah, I think I'm gonna go hunt a leopard. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know anything about him. Um, you know, the fact that he kept his cool, you know, and imagine being charged by a leopard and keeping your cool. But he's been charged by elephants, leopards, lions, a little bit of everything. So he was very calm and handled the situation. Great. And all I had for backup was my recurve. I mean, that's, that's what I had, but you know, there's been some situations in the field that, you know, you know, like that leopard charge or, you know, I've had boats flip or almost drowned You know, I've had all kinds of crazy situations, but a lot of it's because of the places I've been that lend themselves to Mm -hmm. dangerous situations. But that was another one where that leopard charge was pretty, that was pretty crazy.
2: Did you have kind of that same thought go through your mind? that you know as that leopard's charging you having that same thought as whenever that bear's coming at y'all was that kind of that that same jesus take the wheel
0: oh yeah there was nothing i could do i mean again it's it's a very uncomfortable situation to not have control Mm -hmm. and i guess i didn't have control because a recurve and a Charging situation. I mean, maybe in Fred Bear's hand, is it would be awesome. But for me, it was like, yeah, I got nothing. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I, I, you know, even just trying to shoot at this leopard on charge because it was like that. You mm-hmm. know, even I don't even know if I'd have had the time to to, to draw back because I mean, those guys just had the time to throw up. And like I said, one guy was backing up when he shot, and the one ph completely missed the leopard. Like, didn't hit it with one pellet. Completely miss it. Jeez. So had the other ph missed it? You know, had Nico missed or made a bad shot? Oh, he's, and he said, he said that leopard would have, would have tore, tore you up. He said it would have been unbelievable. Jeez. So, yeah. So there's, you know, there's, there's some of the, you know, the crazy, you know, the crazy exciting ones. Cause you know, you go through all kinds of, and that's, what's fun though. Right. You know, mm-hmm. you know, you can, you can have a crazy experience falling out of a tree stand. You know, there's all kinds of things that can, that can happen. I've just had some pretty crazy situations where, you know, animals or apex predators or things like that, if you hunt them enough and you're around them enough, um, especially when you're in close proximity, you know, there's things that, there's things that can go wrong for sure. And I've been very, I've been very lucky, but very lucky. I've had a couple situations that, you know, I probably, I sh- I probably should have been way more torn up than I was.
2: You know, Hearing these stories and then obviously, you know, you've had some other encounters with, you know, whether it's dangerous animals or like you're talking earlier about uh, boats flipping and stuff like that. How have situations like these changed your outlook on life?
0: Wow. Good point. So, you know, I I try and appreciate everything. Mm -hmm. You know, I guess you try and appreciate everything, but it's also changed how I prepare because it seems like so many times it's a tiny little thing you know, that, that makes all the difference in somebody losing their life. You know what I mean? Somebody taking off their seatbelt or, you know, you think of all the little tiny things, you know, or, you know, man, you look down at a text and, you know, you went off the road and flipped your vehicle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you know, a lot of people don't learn from that. Sadly, there's, you know, probably, I don't know the statistics, but probably a lot of people every year that after they look at that text and, and, you know, flip their vehicle or impact somebody else's lives, they go oh, if I would have just done this, you know, if I'd have just done this a little different, if I had just thought about it and I just been a little safer. So I guess when I think about how it's changed, you know, things I do, I would say it's changed it as far as my trying to be prepared. You know what I mean? Doing the, you know, you know, either whether it's me carrying a handgun, like, so you know I don't want to put somebody else's life in jeopardy, if you will, you know what I right. mean If I can help somebody else then that's great or help myself. you know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and a lot of times, um when you're in dangerous country, carrying a handgun is you know is a is a good idea, you know, when you're in a situation because I even think of that, how bad would I have felt had braun, you know, you know, been in that situation, maybe missed the bear. And the bear mauled me and then jumped on him or jumped on my cameraman. You know, I would have felt unbelievably terrible. And then I not had any weapon to protect him. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's you know, you imagine just watching somebody slowly get mauled and going, Oof. man, if I would have just thought to have brought my handgun, but my ego caused me to not because I just wanted to carry a recurve. Yeah. So it's changed, you know, Will, you ask that and yeah, it's changed as far as, do I have an exit strategy? You know, I was stranded in Alaska one time because of a plane crash um, and, and didn't have some of the equipment I needed there. You know, I carry a satellite phone now, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, even if you rent one, yeah, it may cost a little bit, but if a couple buddies kick in, if you're going on a trip and three buddies all chip in, you know, 200 bucks a piece, you know, you can rent a satellite phone for two weeks. Yeah. And I go, man, what's that worth to be able to call if somebody gets hurt or somebody has a heart attack. And as I've lost some friends and and seen people get seriously hurt, you know, outdoors and been very close myself and been hurt myself. Sometimes I realize that when you go to these remote locations, sometimes you can you can make all the difference in the mm-hmm. world. You know, to I mean yourself or or going with people that are also, you know, are they prepared? What do you have in your pack? What are you bring? What if this happens? So I guess I used to just always be that guy that's like, oh, there's nothing, you know, oh, it's gonna be fine. What could happen? You know, and now that I've seen, you know, people that had appendicitis or been attacked by animals or bitten by animals or boats flipping or plane crashes or, you know, vehicles, you know, all the different things, heart attacks, you know, all the different things that can happen. You go, how can I be better prepared to assist others if they have an issue, mm-hmm. um, you know, or, or assist myself and, you know, and things like that. So great question, but that, yeah, I would probably say it's, it's impacted me as far as What can I do, whether it's my kids I'm hunting with or some buddies or somebody else, what can I do to help them?
2: Gotcha. So I know we're running out of time here and, you know, we've talked about all these animal charges and crazy stories and, you know, you've boiled it down to preparedness and how little things and how you can help others. But before we leave, kind of give the listeners, I know there's, there's some out there that they might be going to Africa. They might be going to Alaska. Um how do you help them think about these things in the field that if they ever find themselves in that situation, what would be your recommendation to them on how to potentially handle that and make it out alive?
0: So, uh, you know, great question. Well, and it comes down to, to preparedness, you know, yeah. being prepared and, and sometimes that preparedness, um, you know, even includes talking to the outfitter. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, a lot of hunters, have been on outfitted hunts, you know, mm-hmm. whether you're, whether you're a huge fan of outfitted hunts that, you know, like to go on yourself, you know, by yourself. Most of the time, there's still going to be a situation if you're an avid hunter, where there might be a species you want to go after or an area you want to go where you either a don't have the time or it's illegal. You know, a lot of the animals that I'm talking about, it was illegal for me to go by myself. Yeah. You know, I can't, I can't hunt Alaska for brown bear, grizzly bear, you know, polar bear, doll sheep, you know, certain species I can't hunt without a guide or an outfitter. So talking to guides and outfitters. What's your, what's your plan for an emergency situation? Do you have a satellite phone? Do you have a first aid kit? You can't believe how many people don't have first aid kits with them. now. (laughs) A proper one. Right. You know, and so, you know, I think, you know, I tell people and I encourage them, ask what their plan is. You know, do you have, like I work with the wilderness area and the forest service. And they have, they have to, I literally have to supply them with an evac plan. Like, what's your evacuation plan if somebody has a heart attack or somebody gets injured up in the wilderness mm-hmm. area? And, you know, it's a, well, we've got a horse trail here. We've got this. We've got satellite phones. We've got radios. This is how we would get somebody out. So, you know, make sure you're going with an outfitter, whether it's in this country or another, that you've talked to enough to know that, they're trained in first aid or CPR and you know, here we have to be in Colorado, you know, to be a guide, you have to be, yeah. but in some places that's not required. There's a scary number of States, even here in the U S where you don't have to have anything, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't have to have for, even though you're around people with bows, weapons, firearms, you know, whatever, you don't have to have a first aid, uh, to be a guide. So I tell people, make sure you're, uh, sorry, drop, make sure you're going with somebody that's prepared mm-hmm. that, you know, has what they need, has protocols in place in case something happens, um, that you feels experienced and then don't ever trust somebody a hundred percent. That's part of the equation is going with somebody that you trust. But if you're going with your friends or going by yourself, do you have a first aid kit? Do you have a way to get out? Do you have a GPS? What if you're walking in the woods or, you know what I mean? You know, now a lot of, a lot of cell phones have, you know, compasses where you can get a, you know to I mean? A long yeah. lap. And you can get a a, a bearing, but know how to work it, know how to know how to pull that up, know how to screenshot that and send it to somebody. If you need to tell somebody where you're at, make sure you wear a safety harness when you're climbing up in a tree. And if Mm -hmm. you don't do it for you, wear it for the people that care about you. So there's so many little things now that I realize as I get older and, you know, I've had a situation where I was either hurt or, or seen people hurt. I realize a lot of times it's just not being prepared or making small decisions that can impact you in a big way. So that, you know, that, you know, that, that would be the way I would answer that is, you know, if you're going to go with somebody, make sure they're prepared, but don't, don't leave all that responsibility up to somebody else. Even with, even when I go with an outfitter now, I have food, extra food, extra water. You know, I've got, I've got ways to treat water. You know, if something mm-hmm. happens, I've got, you know what I mean? A simple first aid kit. So I can at least handle some things if they're not with me or if they don't have it, even if they've told me they do, you know, I have a radio or a satellite phone or a GPS, you know, I have things that I can, you know, I can figure out and take care of myself. I have extra clothes. You know, there's a lot of little yeah. tiny things that can make all the difference in the world.
2: Yeah, absolutely. All little things that you never really think about that you should, that can have the biggest impact. Yes, sir. Great advice. Great advice. Well, Fred, tell listeners where they can find you on social media, website, or anything. Where can they see you and learn more about you?
0: Uh, no what Well, I've got a Fred Eichler fan page on Instagram, uh, Facebook. We've got Twitter, and then YouTube. Uh, you know, two of the stories I just told you about, uh, people can find on my YouTube channel. Uh, they can look at that brown bear charge that I talked about. They can mm-hmm. look at the uh, the leopard charge and a bunch of other stuff that we've got up, like foxes you know, that freaked me out or, you know, all kinds of exciting, <laughs> yeah. all
1: kinds
2: of
0: exciting stuff.
2: Sweet. Well, Fred, I really appreciate your time this morning and hopping on the HuntStand podcast with us and talking all these crazy stories and giving the listeners some advice.
0: Well, thanks. Well, hoping I didn't carry on too much. It's just, uh, it's crazy. It brings you right back to, to the situation when you're talking about
2: it. Always good, man. We'll have to do it again. All right, buddy all right there you go everybody another end to a new season to the hunt stand podcast we're in season two and you got to hear about some crazy stories from mr fred eichler himself if you want to see the video of the bear charging fred and then the situation with the leopard i'm going to put those down in the description below for this episode so you can see that craziness go down i watched it myself and it's quite interesting I haven't got the picture of his leg torn up from the alligator yet but I'm sure I will get that soon and I'm not so sure I'm going to share that with you guys out there and I <laughs> doubt Fred would want me to share it with you too but either way we just want to thank y'all for tuning in to the new season season two of the hindstand Podcast episode one and we hope that you're going to follow along with this wildest hunt stories because we're going to have some stories from some pretty outstanding individuals that have gone through some things where they have found themselves in near death scenarios survival scenarios and just some crazy encounters with some dangerous game so if you don't want to miss out on that make sure you follow subscribe do whatever you got to do to make sure you get notification for whenever we post each episode of hunt stand podcast if you haven't yet download the hunt stand app thanks again for tuning into the hunt stand podcast and we'll see you on the next one